All right, into hour number two, Puck and Gas with uh, with Puck right now, about four cocktails in down in Arizona, uh, and and leaving the parenting completely to his wife now for the and she's realized that for the rest of the weekend. Uh, I'll uh, fly solo today, tomorrow, and Friday. Kevin Calabro joins us this afternoon at twelve thirty. And uh, we will head across the street, actually a little bit more across the street, kind of across the neighborhood, uh, and go back to the Shahuli Garden and Glass Art Gallery, where Tim Lywicki joins us right now after a momentous announcement by the NHL Seattle team. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Uh, always glad to be back on air. You've been around a lot of places. You've seen a lot of things. Obviously, you've known Todd since he was just a young pup. Uh, his connection in this community, your brother's connection in this community, is really unlike anything I've ever seen in kind of a sports business way. And there's a lot of successful people in, in the sports business world. But Todd's thing here is unique. I can't imagine another announcement of a team president and CEO that would get this kind of reaction in a town. Can you talk a little bit from, from afar, knowing him as a brother, knowing him as a businessman, and seeing this connection and what that means to you and to the future of hockey in this town? Uh, yes, well said. So first, I'm happy because we finally have good leadership here. Uh, <laughs> two, <laughs> two. I, you know, when we sat down and started this, it, it really came from a seed, an idea, and a passion that Todd had for Seattle and the Northwest. So this was always his prompting and his idea on what to do. And and then when we be, became aware of the fact we were going to pull this off and pull it off. In, in a rare and unbelievable form due to the support of the city, uh, then Todd became interested. I, I will admit I've stayed on him for a year. It's not easy getting the number two guy from the NFL and probably the second best position in all of sports to think about this, but in his mind, this is the best position in sports. And so he has a blank canvas here. He, he gets the chance ultimately to build a world-class arena. And, and by the way, I've spent the last two days in Kansas City with Populous, looking at design drawings and renderings. The arena, the new arena, is going to be spectacular. He he gets that he not only has a chance to create a brand new franchise, a new culture, and I think one of the iconic sports entities in all of North America, but he also has a chance now to think big. And so we have a neighborhood within Seattle Center where we're going to forge a great alliance and partnership with and begin to reach out and do other things. We have a community and a commitment of $20 million in donation back to those in need, including $10 million to youth care. So he has a platform to really make a difference, similar to what he did when he ran the United Way and raised $100 million for those in need. And we have the NBA. And so we have literally the single best leader in sports who is one of the most respected men in sports who is widely admired by both commissioners in the nhl and the nba a man that uh, i think his integrity and his character is well known to the community here he's passionate about the fans and passionate about the community passionate about those in need and it was just a natural fit and as i said Many people will sit here and look at him and say, how do you go from being one of the most important guys in all of sports, number two at the NFL working for Roger Goodell, and go run a franchise in Seattle? And what he'll tell him is he moved up. 
Well, he'll also tell him it was a plan for a long time to move back here. And Tim, I know he'd talk to you probably about that. I know he'd talk to me. You know, when he left to go to Tampa, and it wasn't like the next week where he said, I can't wait to get back. But the long-term goal, he had a love for this community. His family had a love for this community. They have that love. Long-term goal was to come back here. I'm sure it was tough to leave the NFL, but, I mean, this thing was just set out for him, I think. Well, if Roger Goodell's listening, I will deny that. But (laughs) if he's not, I will agree with that. Roger listens to the show quite regularly, actually. He gets most of his good ideas from I'm, this show. I'm sure you say lovely, wonderful things about him on a daily basis. I, I have. I'll, I'll send you a list of them. <laughs> hey, uh, one of the other things that Todd and I have talked about in the past, and I'm curious, because you guys, you go back a long way in the sports business, so back to the Kansas City indoor soccer days. The Liwickies were thought of as the first group that kind of thought about, hey, let's turn down the lights, let's blow some stuff up, let's really make introductions a big thing. You've been in the sports promotion, the sports marketing business, both of you, for years and years and years. One of the problems becomes, and I'm asking you to look way down the road here, but the second team into a new arena generally doesn't get the kind of favorable terms that the first team gets. This is huge speculation because, you know, this is down the road, but have you guys thought about, you know, you mentioned the NBA. Have you thought about ways you're going to make this building attractive to an NBA team if they are, in fact, the second team to the trough as a tenant? Yeah, so actually threefold, and it has been in our plannings from day one. So first, from a design standpoint, the building is designed for the NBA. We, we, have, uh, we, we have built in the NBA home locker room, the NBA visiting locker room. We have, obviously, the hockey locker room and the away locker room, and then we have the storm locker room and away NBA, WNBA locker room. So we've already designed all of that into the building. We've designed capacity into the building. It is a perfect basketball building, I'd argue. It's as good, if not a better, basketball building than a hockey building. Secondly, you design the economics. And so our naming rights, uh, our founding and presenting partners, all of those deals will be structured so that they are obligated to spend the same amount of money on the basketball team that they're spending on the hockey team. And we build all of that in so that we could guarantee that the basketball team walks in. And instead of trying to start their own building, spend a billion dollars to build a, a, a new arena and then go out and compete with us on sponsorship after we've taken much of the sponsorship revenue out of the marketplace, we actually build in the additional investment that will be made for the NBA. And then third is the, the all the premium seats in the building. So if you look at the way we're going about this, we have 2,600 club seats, and club seat owners uh, pay a fee, and that gives them the right to buy the NHL tickets and the right to buy the NBA tickets and the right to buy concert tickets and family show tickets and everything else that comes into the building. So we, we already know we are going to equally divide the premium revenue, the sponsorship revenue, the naming revenue. We already know that we are in a position because economically we are doing extremely well with the building sponsorships and the building revenue that we can take a third of the revenue or the revenue directly generated by the w, by the NBA team, meaning food and beverage and parking and uh, the merch and give that back to the team and and be able to economically do it because now we have more activity, more dates, more people going through the building, more revenue that we're generating, and we actually can be more aggressive with the lease that we could give to that other anchor tenant. Uh, finally, we've made it very clear that if an uh, NBA team comes in, we have an ownership group that's prepared to write the check, and in addition to that, If there's additional owners that come in, we will make sure that they have the right to own a piece of the equity in the building. So we've thought of all of this, 
And for those that ultimately say we didn't build it for the NBA, couldn't be further from the truth. We've spent an enormous amount of time. We not only meet minimum standards for the NBA, it'll be one of the better NBA-built design facilities. We've designed everything into our contractually obligated income. And we have thought through how we make sure this would be a top quartile team in the NBA from the revenue that they could generate. If we could save somebody a billion dollars and they could ultimately move a team here and generate the same kind of net revenue for the NBA team, then that's what's going to get us a team. And we are focused on that. We feel the pressure of getting that delivered. And I think we are going to design all of our deals and the building itself so that we can make that happen at the right time. And, and that's different from a lot of these buildings, right, Tim? That, that In a lot of places, this has not worked for a variety of reasons. But you do have to think about it from day one. Otherwise, as I said earlier, that second team in is really going to be at a disadvantage. And you, you've got to plan for this before it ever happens. Yeah, look, one of the good things about having Todd involved, he has 30-plus years of history in sports. I've had uh, a little bit longer, but between the two of us, 70 years uh, of sports uh, relationships, sports knowledge, and sports experience. So we know the Reinsdorfs in Chicago. We know uh, Rocky uh, Wirtz in Chicago. So we've talked to them about how the Blackhawks and the Bulls ultimately make that building work. The majority of buildings in big markets that have both the NHL and the NBA is a single-team building. It works better that way because you're not spending another billion dollars to go build the arena. We have modeled ourselves after Chicago. We've modeled ourselves after New York. We've modeled ourselves after Boston and Philadelphia. That Those are Dallas. Those are the markets, ultimately, that we want to emulate as it relates to being able to create enough revenue from the building for both teams. There are very few places and very few markets the size of Seattle where two teams work. That's why you just don't see it. And where you do see it, so Minnesota, for example, where Minneapolis has the Target Center and the Timberwolves, St. Paul has the XL Center and the Wild. They would prefer of not building two buildings at the end of the day. It would have been better if they would have had one economically for both teams. Uh, at the end of the day, that's the model we're going to follow here, and we have places like Dallas and Chicago that ultimately are a standard for us to follow as we try to set that pattern out and make sure that we economically are thinking about how we get the NBA back here every day. Two more quick ones for you, Tim, and thanks. Uh, Tim Lawicki, very generous with his time on a busy day. First is, any anticipated speed bumps with either the the NHL process? I heard someone say, oh, we think that by June we're, we're going to know for sure. Is there any, any potential stumbling block there? And then any potential stumbling block with the arena redo, which still hasn't, you know, the, the dirt didn't turn in shovel, or shovels aren't turning dirt yet. So in Seattle, I think everybody gets very nervous until they actually see the thing happening. Yes, uh, good question. So on the NHL timeline, uh, Mr. Bounderman uh, and his team are in daily contact now with Commissioner Bettman. Uh, the goal is the ownership group is is they filed all their documents. The league does a enormous round of uh, background checks, financial checks, verification. Uh, we had to file paperwork on. We had to file our lease between the team and the arena. We had to file our um, partnership agreement on the arena and the partners that are in the arena deal. We had to file all of our agreements with the city, including the definitive agreement with the city. We had to go. We're we're there in May doing a minimum standard check on the design of the building, the broadcast positions for the building, the loading dock areas, the TV trucks, the locker rooms, the referees rooms. So we, we have a lot of work to do, and the goal would be all of that's filed. 
All of that is condensed, and then all of that is brought to the executive committee for the NHL in at their June meeting. If approved then, they will then recommend it to the full board, and the full board will grant approval to Seattle in the September meeting. That's the commissioner's timeline. That's the timeline that, that uh, David Bonderman has committed to as well. On the building side, which is where I'm focused and my company, OVG's focused, we just spent two days in Kansas City with Populous on design drawings. We'll have a 50% design drawing package on the street here in a few weeks. Our uh, EIS, the Environmental Impact Study, is going extremely well. The public comments have been very good. Our open houses has been, been very good. The neighborhood feedback has been unbelievably cooperative. We've made great strides on some vision and ideas for transportation. Uh, there's going to be some positive news coming on some other modes of transportation we're going to use for the first 10 years until we get light rail. I would say that is in excellent shape. Uh, we have our last event at the old Key Arena on October 6th. Um, I think there's an announcement coming on the last concert that will take place the day before. We'll take the building over on October 7th. Uh, if we stick to that timeline, we will be playing hockey in October of 2020. And I believe, based on how great the process has been in the community with the EIS, that that is a timeline we're going to be able to meet. It sounds great. One last thing. Were you in the Kansas City Auditorium on Thanksgiving Day in, like, 83 when the legendary wrestler The Crusher threatened to beat the living daylights out of a young PA announcer named Todd Lywicki because he was making fun of his weight on the PA? Were you there that day? Because I know that story happened. Oh, yeah. So I'm in the sound booth calling the event, um, and he's down announcing ringside. (laughs) And when the crusher is in the ring at one point, Todd decides to ad-lib and says, the crusher is trying to earn his keep for Thanksgiving dinner, which he does (laughs) not miss very often. And suddenly the crusher stops his, I will admit, choreographed stunt, and turns to Todd and says, why you, SOB, and jumps out of the ring. It's the fastest I've ever seen Todd run before or after. I've never seen a man move that quickly. I never will see him move again that quickly. And I will tell you, it was not rehearsed. The crusher, if he got a hold of him, was going to literally crush him. Yeah, he he had one advantage against the crusher, and that was he was faster. Because, right, if the crusher gets to him, it's, it's all, it's curtains. And Todd told me that's the day he decided he didn't want to be a PA announcer anymore. Yeah, well, by the way, on the way home, we drove together. On the way home, all I heard is, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, wouldn't it was have, a really, really good Thanksgiving dinner that night. Wouldn't have been a fair fight had the crusher been able to track him down. Well, Tim. That's that's a good story. Uh, this uh, is a big uh, big day today for Seattle, and again, I think for the community and the people who, who know Todd you know, better, frankly, than they know you at this point. They know Todd from the 10 years here with the Hawks. This is a huge, huge day. Best wishes with everything moving forward. There's still a lot of, uh, a lot of plates spinning up there, but you guys seem to have all your ducks in a row. So so good luck with everything, and thanks for uh, visiting Thank with you. us. Thank well, you. As I said, we got a good leader now, and we brought a Seattle boy home, and I'm excited for him and excited for the city. And as always, uh, we're going to get this done for everyone here, we promise. Thanks, Tim. Cheers. Bye. Tim Liewicki, uh, who uh, is going to, as he said, his company, OVG, they will continue to work on the arena side of things, Todd Liewicki. You know what's interesting about that, and I didn't want to get too deep in the weeds because he can't answer questions for Todd, But the interesting thing about the XL Center in St. Paul is the Wild were started. Their first CEO, their first president, the guy who kind of brought the Wild into the world was Todd Liewicki years and years and years ago. Uh, and I can't remember if he was still there when they, cause they, they started, I think, at the Target Center and then they eventually built a second arena. 
But the, the key to this, and it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to be able to do it. The key to making this building great for the NBA, and I was glad Tim addressed both sides. I mean, you got to design it with the NBA in mind, but anybody can do that. Are you going to design it financially with the team in mind? That's a huge, huge key. And to do that, you've really got to do a balancing act between the two. Uh, again, it's one thing to say it. It'll be another thing to do it. But the fact that they're talking about that now, uh, that they've been talking about it, that they reiterated today, uh, is a, a good sign. It doesn't necessarily mean that if an NBA team comes here, they would play there. Would they try to build their own arena? As he said, it's another, that's another billion dollars you're tacking onto everything. Or would they say, no, we can go in there and uh, I'll say this. I, I think particularly, and I don't know Tim Liewicki all that well. I know Todd very well. I don't think you'll be getting lip service from him to the extent of, uh, hey, NBA, we're going to do this right for you financially. If they're, if, if they're going to do it right financially, they're going to do it right financially. They're not just going to say so. So, uh, that, that's so far down the river from where we are right now. As I, I joked earlier today, <laughs> all we need now after today's announcement is a team, a name, a logo, an arena. You, you know, there's still a few things on the to-do list, but, uh, I, I think, and I think you could hear it in the press conference that, uh, there, there's a connection that's established right. And, and maybe, you know, knowing how this city is, and especially the, the, the longtime residents of this city, new residents, and there's so many of them, the demographics of the city have changed so dramatically in the last few years. But longtime residents would have been excused for feeling like, yeah, this is neat, but I don't know Tim Liwicki, I don't know Bonderman, I don't know the the Bruckheimer, the you know what is this a, a crazy disaster flick? What's going <laughs> to happen? All of a sudden now, just about everyone in the city feels like they know somebody involved in this effort because uh, Todd was there, and and you know, Tim kind of dropped that in when he mentioned the United Way thing. Todd ran the King County United Way campaign one year, too great. In addition to doing everything else, so this is a guy who is really connected in the community. We're probably raging out to the point where we're raving about him a little too much but this is a big day and an important day and it's a it's a positive day you've heard a lot here and if you've been listening for much of the morning our poll question at gasman 206 asks you to kind of kind of gauge your nhl interest level were you already in uh are you somebody who's now more interested after hearing this are you somebody who's yeah i might be interested but this just doesn't do it for me this is there's still so much to do or are you somebody who says you know i'm just i'm not a hockey person i'm not going to be a hockey person and nothing you can do will make me a hockey person. You can vote at Gasman206. We may get more from uh, the Shahuli Garden and Glass Art Gallery. We also are going to talk to Scott Rintoul and get the uh, view from the Great White North about this story and about the start of the NHL playoffs. That's coming up. We've got NHL playoff hockey tonight, a very compelling first-round series between this year's darlings, the Vegas Golden Knights, and a former Stanley Cup champion of a couple of years ago, the Los Angeles Kings, who, by the way, in a home-and-home home on February 26th and 27th, beat the Vegas Knights. Beat them both nights. So, trendy pick in the first round right now is to go with the Kings upsetting Vegas. That first game tonight on KJR, uh, your home for the NHL in Seattle. Now, back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. All right, we are exactly halfway through uh, the first solo show I've done on this station in decades. Pucks in Arizona for a couple of days. Uh, I'm minding the store. 
It's a big day today for a variety of reasons. And it's one of my favorite days of the year, the NHL playoffs start, and that's kind of exciting. You With the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs starting, Furnace talked about this uh, the other day, there's basically going to be great sports TV every night of the week now until about Memorial Day weekend. There'll be something compelling to watch if you factor in baseball and everything, so it's a fun time of year. We've got big NHL news here, and, and I thought it might be fun to, to track down a guy who uh, uh, used to be on the show all the time, way back in the day, and we've both gone down the road further now. He is working at Sportsnet 650 up in uh, in Vancouver and is uh, is kind enough to join us uh, right now, Scott Rintoul. Scott, hi. Welcome to the show. I have to adjust the buttons here, guys. Thank oh, you got to adjust things. In, did I do something? Is it yeah, possible? You, yeah, you did. I did some. Jackson tells me I did something wrong, which which seems like this might be the last thing Jackson ever says or does on this station. So you need to hit the hit the number one right next to the hit phone. number one. There you go. There How you about go. now? Now we're good. Scott, you're with a rookie. It's my it's my. Now, what's going on, guys? It's my first day on the job, so you know I, I don't know what I'm doing. I I hope you'll bear with the rookie here as he as he stumbles through the show. Hey man, flashing lights, lots of buttons. I know the drill. It's just too much for my little brain to uh, to overcome. Thanks for joining us. It's it's great to hear your voice. I'm I'm glad things are going well for you up there. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, we always kind of when when the Seahawks season ends here, you kind of look and go, geez, what's next? We got a few months of nothing. It, it, and the, is it the same with the Canucks up there? And it's been a couple of years. The Canucks have been in kind of a down mode. It, it must be somewhat uh, somewhat empty feeling right now without them in the postseason. Yeah, it is, although there's such rabid hockey fans up here that they will go on to the playoffs no matter what. And as you know, Gasman, the first round is generally the best round. Anything can happen despite the fact that there's a pretty big disparity between some of the teams that we see matched up in this year's playoffs. It's always wild. There's always upsets. You get healthy, you get a hot goalie, and anything can happen. That's what makes it fun, and I'm, I'm looking at all the teams last night, and, and there are a few that you just think, all right, this is probably going to be one of the favorites, but you just never know. Uh, I mean, one of the one of the great things I ever remember about watching a hot goalie, and they were a pretty good team. Uh, actually, they were a very good team, but but Kirk McLean got hot the exact right time in '94, and the next thing you know, they're playing the Rangers in the seventh game of the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, it, it's and and it's kind of the opposite of what happened the last time in 2011 when Luongo was such a hot and cold goalie at the exact same time, and and that likely was the reason they didn't hoist the cup in 2011. Yeah, there's that. There's the fact the power play went dead. And if you want to fuel this rivalry even further than Todd Lightwicky began to do this morning, just bring up 2011 to Canucks fans, and they will be on it in a hurry. Yeah, we were we were there, and uh, we remember the last night too. And it, it didn't end uh, it didn't end well for anyone except maybe for the Bruins. Hey, what's the view from up there, Scott? Everybody down here seems to think that Vancouver will be uh, very excited. You know, I keep hearing from people, oh, they need a rival, and I'm like. Well, the Oilers and the Flames are pretty good rivals. I don't know if the Canucks need another rival, but having a team close by obviously helps with travel and 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 that. What is the view from up there about Seattle getting a team? People are very excited, and I agree with those who say Vancouver needs that true geographic rival. You're right. There's been a great rivalry in playoffs past with the Flames. Not as much with the Oilers because the Canucks and Oilers have never really had a great playoff history together at the times that Oilers were making the playoffs and had good teams. They were smacking the Canucks around if those Canucks teams ever made it to the playoffs at all in, in those years of the 80s, which was much of an abyss for this franchise. But they've never had that tree, true geographic rival. In fact, this city doesn't have a rivalry with any other city right now outside of Seattle and Portland when it comes to Major League Soccer. That is the best rivalry we have going right now for sports fans up here. 
So people are extremely excited about having the possibility of driving down the I-5, seeing a road game against the Seattle NHL franchise and having the opposite happen when Seattle plays here and seeing some of those fans travel up. And Todd uh, Lewicki worked with the Canucks years and years ago. Uh, he mentioned today, he says, I'll guarantee you the first night we play the Canucks, our team is going to bring it. So he gets the idea here and gets the, 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 the promotion of the rivalry. There are obviously a lot of Canucks fans down here because they're the team that we see the most. So it, it really could end up being a, a, a very fun part of things. Yeah, it certainly could. And I know for a fact that a number of those who pledged some money when Seattle opened its ticket drive hail from this side of the border. And maybe that was just an investment strategy. Maybe it was just an opportunity because they live very close to the border and, and wanted to be part of something new. But people are excited about the possibility of seeing that. And Todd Lair Wiki's right. It's going to be fun on that first night. It's going to be fun the first night Seattle comes here. And one of the things I hope happens, and I think is a distinct possibility, is that Seattle has such game, great game presentation, has great fans around the Sounders, around certainly the Seahawks as well. I'm hoping that there's a spillover effect onto Rogers Arena because the Canucks should be getting good about that time if the plan that they're putting in place right now works. Well, Seattle is going to have that Vegas-like atmosphere the first season, that honeymoon period. Can that spill over and make game presentation, make you know the fans get out of their seats a little more up here? I think having a rival can certainly do that. Scott Rintoul is our guest from Sportsnet 650 up in Vancouver. You mentioned the Canucks plan. I'm curious to hear what it is. I mean, it's been it's been dreary the last couple of years. The Sedin's departure was spectacular in its drama, but you know you could feel a little tinge of sadness. Like God, it's a shame that that the Canucks weren't a little more competitive the last few years. What is the plan up there, and 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 is it going to work to get them back to being good again? Well, the plan would appear to be go young in the foreseeable future. And what Canucks fans are crossing their fingers on right now, first, the NHL draft lottery on April 28th, they've got a 7.5% chance of landing the top pick. That's something they've never had in their 48 years in the National Hockey League, and they would dearly love it this year. I'm not sure how much your listeners pay attention to uh, the NHL draft projections, but the guy who's supposed to go first overall is a franchise-changing defenseman by the name of Rasmus Dahlin, which is something the Canucks have also never had in their entire existence, that true number one Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. So that's the first date they're looking at. Then Canucks fans are looking at free agency, and they do not want this management group to go out and spend big money this year. Mm. They would much rather see young players get an opportunity, save that cap money, maybe spend a little bit on, on contracts for players that, other teams need to vet themselves of and, and would offer you a draft pick or perhaps a prospect in return. This fan base right now is willing to wait if they believe in the direction of these young players. And they have a couple of nice young prospects that may make the team this year. People are certainly hoping they make the team this year. They're willing to stomach another year outside the playoffs if they see progress from these young players. Uh, the uh, uh, the NHL playoffs start tonight, as you well know. Uh, one of the things we're going to do is carry the first game with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings. I brought up, Scott, that uh, the Kings beat Vegas in a home-and-home home back on February 26th and 27th. I know that's dicey. Sometimes what happened a month ago or two months ago doesn't matter. But I remember watching those games, and I've, I've watched Vegas like everybody has. I've been fascinated by it, and it's really cool that they've had this great first year. And 
the way they helped that community heal a little bit after that horrible shooting incident down there. You know, five nights later, the, the Golden Knights played their first game. So they're, they're a great story on a lot of levels, but the Kings seem to be the trendy pick right now for everybody as, as, as they look toward picking an upset in the first round. What, what say you? I'm with you, and I feel unfortunate for Vegas that they drew this particular matchup because L.A. does something better than any playoff team heading into this year's dance. They stop goals. They are the stingiest team in the National Hockey League. Vegas can score, and they score far better than we thought they would. But if you've watched Vegas this year, they give up a boatload of opportunities. It doesn't matter who they play. And their goaltending has been very good, and Marc-Andre Fleury could certainly get hot, go on a run. He's got a bunch of rings in his pocket already from his days with Pittsburgh. But I'm with you. I don't think this matchup sets up particularly well for the Golden Knights. I will say this, however. We went to the Canucks' first game in Vegas on February 23rd. That arena went off for a regular season game in February against a team that was nowhere near the playoffs in the Canucks. I can only imagine how hostile that environment is going to be. I can see this being a longer series, but if I'm forced to pick, yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking the L.A. Kings. Hey, the other Pacific Division matchup, uh, I'll just ask you about quickly, and and, uh, and then we'll move on. But the Ducks and the Sharks, I bring it up because the Ducks are like Vancouver South. It feels like half the roster are former Canucks, I, I, you know, I, and, and some of them obviously have aged out at this point. But, but uh, the Ducks are also red hot coming into this again. Sometimes that doesn't matter if the other team's goalie gets hot. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you think of Anaheim in, in the first round? Yeah, I like Anaheim in this as well because they're that team like Nashville last year that you watched all regular season. You said, if they get in, they are going to be a tough piece of business for anybody. Ryan Getzlaff and Ryan Kessler were hurt for the first half of the season, and Anaheim did just enough to keep its head above water until those guys got back. And now that that team is largely intact, they're missing a pretty important defenseman for the first round here, at least Cam Fowler. But Kevin Viexa likely to play in the series opener and be a part of this series. So they're getting him healthy at the right time. San Jose without Joe Thornton, that's a big loss come playoff time. I don't think it's enough to withstand Anaheim. They are built for the playoffs. They went to the Western Conference Final a year ago. I think we're going to see Anaheim L.A. in round two. Scott, it's great to catch up with you. I'm excited about the start of the playoffs. As I said, there'll be just so much great hockey over the next couple of months. And obviously, before long, before we know it, you and I will be hoisting a pair of probably by then $20 arena beers in a cheers to the new Seattle team and a welcome to the Canucks for the first big rivalry game. It'll be fun to think about. Scott, uh, good to hear your voice, and thanks for visiting with us. A pleasure as always, Gasman. Call me anytime. Love doing this with you on the air again, my man. Thanks, Scott. Scott Rintoul at, uh, uh, up in uh, Canada at Sportsnet. Uh, 650 is his Twitter handle if you want to follow him, and he has covered uh, the Canucks. Uh, and all of Vancouver sports. As a matter of fact, I, I meant to ask him. You know, if my if my calendar is right, and I'm pretty sure it is, the Canadian Football League is heading into training camp here in another couple of weeks or so. So he'll be all over the BC Lions beat uh, as well. As we continue with puck and gas without puck, uh, we will turn our attention towards the Seattle Sounders FC and hear from uh, from Young Jackson Feltz on how Sounders we is it Sounders Weekly? What's the name it of the is, big yeah, show? Sounders Weekly. Because I think that's what we called it when I was doing it. I think, or maybe it was Seattle just... Soccer Talk. I remember running that show. That, that's right. It was Seattle? It was hey, gas is in a bar. What a shock! <laughs> Join us next. Uh, we'll get uh, caught up on that. And at noon today, lunch with listeners, 16 of you will get a chance to, we're going to give away something we don't even know if we have. We're going to give away $100 to Georgetown Brewing because Puck's gone and we're stealing it out of his desk. 16 of you will have a chance to win 100 bucks to Georgetown Brewing when we assign you a hockey team that you will adopt 
for the NHL playoffs. That's coming up at noon on lunch. Oh, back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. The thing that they've done a little bit this year is they've evolved their team. Uh, for me, they've, they've changed uh, their personnel to a point where they've, they've kind of evolved how they play. They play a little bit faster and they play a little bit more fluidly from what I've seen from so far this year uh, than they have in years past. And, and again, I think that's a reflection of the league's getting better and, and some of the tactics uh, that worked before uh, maybe are less effective now. Sounders GM uh, Grant Lagerway last night uh, visiting with Jackson Feltz on uh, Hey Pal, Let's Talk Sounders. What's it called again? Sounders Sounder, Weekly, Sounders right? Weekly, yes. Sounders Weekly uh, here on KJR. You hear it every Thursday night on your home for the Sounders. Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Excuse me. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, right. Stop correcting me on the air. This will be the last <laughs> day we'll ever work together. <laughs> oh, it's my show. Hey, it's my show. Uh, Tuesday nights is, uh, we were going to do it on Thursdays, but Tuesday makes more sense because that's when it is. Uh, at 7 o'clock, you hear about the Sounders and what's going on with them. Obviously, and we haven't talked much about the Sounders because a puck really has a, he's a stick in the mud about yeah. this. Uh, the Sounders now are part of the KJR family. You'd think that, that Puck would be able to do the math on that, but but no, and that's that's fine. So we'll trash Puck while he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> uh, the other reason we haven't talked about the Sounders is, is they haven't played for a couple of weeks. They had a week off. So and then the other reason is they haven't scored a goal. And I have a real strict thing about I don't I don't want to talk about a team unless it's scoring a goal once in a while to keep me interested. Uh, the bad news is they're 0-3. They haven't scored. They're in a bit of disarray. And their best player, arguably, Jordan Morse, is done for the year. Uh, the good news is it is an insanely long season at MLS, and being 0-3 is not great, but it's hardly a deal-breaker when it comes to what your goals are uh, for the season. What else happened last night on the big show? What was talked about, and what's, what's the feeling going into this sporting Kansas City tilt? Yeah, so Danny Jackson, he's a former center captain for many years. Uh, he joined me in studio last night for the entire show, and we spent the first segment diving kind of... The first question I asked him was... was why would anybody be panicking right now? It's mm-hmm. it's three games into a 34-game schedule. I mean, guess, think about it this way. In 2016, when they went and won the championship, and I know things were different then, and, and you had a whole bunch of players healthy and different players on this team, they were last place or second to last place in the Western Conference a month from the regular season ending. Mm-hmm. And they managed to turn it around, get into the playoffs, and then go win a title. Right. This is now... How many months is, is this from, from a month being yeah, uh, many it's, months? It's, it's, we still have <laughs> half a year plus before anything really matters. Exactly. There's so much time left to go. So many guys left to get healthy that it's way too early to panic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kansas City, uh, you know, I'm trying to track down Brad Evans to see if we can grab him on the show maybe on Friday. He's not playing yet, right? Didn't you tell me that? Or he yeah, hasn't played much? Hasn't seen, hasn't seen much meaningful time yet for Kansas City. He's mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, kind of a depth guy, like he was here towards the end of his run. Mm-hmm. And he's near the end of uh, what has been, I think, a really spectacular, yeah. underrated career. The guy played on the U.S. national team, scored a huge goal of all the. You never thought of Brad as a goal scorer, but against Jamaica, was it about three, four years ago in a, in a World Cup? I want to say it was a World Cup qualifier match, yeah. or it was. It was. It was. Uh, he had anyway. Brad has had a great career. I don't need to pump him up. But what I always was impressed about with him is they moved him around like a piece of furniture <laughs> up here, and he grumbled a little. It would be unfair to say he never complained. He grumbled a little, but he never made it a huge deal. He just went out, and if they said you got to go play here now for a while, he just went out and did it and did it well. And he was one of my favorite guys. I was sorry to see him go. I understand why they made the move, and and near the end, so hope, may, we might be able to track him down. We'll see if he if he's willing to give us a few minutes uh, of uh, of his precious time on Thursday or Friday of this week. Uh, but uh, it, it'll be interesting. 
to see, and this is going to sound, you know, more smart alecky than I mean to. Be interesting to see if the old Sounders can score a goal on uh, <laughs> Sunday, right? Sunday afternoon. Yes, yeah, Sunday, one o'clock kickoff. Uh, I'll start pregame about twelve thirty right here on KJR. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the attack. That's the question. Yes, yeah. is is can you actually get something together? They've had chances. They had a whole bunch of chances against Montreal, but every shot they had, it felt like went right into the keeper Evan Bush's chest. And right. you got it. You got to find some creativity. You got to find whether it's just a back heel or, or something simple, three feet, three feet from a goal. You got to find something to get to the back of the net. Let's get a goal, and then we'll talk about getting a win. Let's get yeah. a goal on Sunday, and then we'll see how things move uh, from there. So again, Sounders Weekly every Tuesday night, seven o'clock with Jackson Feltz, and uh, and uh, the GM is on with you every week, right? Every week, uh, seven twenty-five p.m. on on Tuesdays, you'll be able to hear right from the general manager. Does Schmetz speak to you, or does he look right past you like he always did me? <laughs> I've asked for him. He hasn't been on the show yet. Yeah, uh, what, typical. We, what we do is we do, uh, and as I, as I did last night in the last segment, tend to play a few minutes from his last press conference just so people can hear from him as well. And, and I'm kidding. One of the absolute great guys, and kind of a Lenny Wilkins-esque story comes in. <laughs> Yeah. takes over a team that's fumbling a little bit and leads them to a championship. You know, un- unbelievable uh, what happened with him a couple of years ago. So Sounders Weekly, each Tuesday night uh, here on your home for the Fighting Puck Stuffers, Sports Radio <laughs> 950 KJR, where right now, now I say, you should dial us up, 286-9595-800-829-0950. 16 people, 16 teams in the NHL playoffs. It's a big NHL day. It, it helps if you know hockey, but you don't need to know hockey to play, and you certainly don't need to know hockey to win. We're going to let you all adopt an NHL team that you'll follow during the playoffs, and whoever hoists Lord Stanley's Cup will win not one, not two, not three, but 100 big damn dollars to blow down at uh, Georgetown Beer, courtesy of our friend Jason Puckett. That's up next on Lunch with Listeners. Funky kicks going down in the city.